0: It's not only enough to just set up a firewall, you have to add the dimension of smart analytics on top of all the attacks to understand who are they trying to, to get to.
1: My name is Francis Manfield and welcome to Inside Telstra Labs. Today we're having a chat to our Chief Technology Officer, Hawkin Erickson, and we're looking at the biggest technology trends that are going to impact people and businesses in 2018.
0: I think that we should always look at microservices as small Lego pieces of, of software services that you can then build the service you want.
1: Now, when you're picking up your daughter from school and all the other parents ask you what you actually do at Telstra, what is it that you tell them?
0: Well, I tell them that I am working on the, the future things at Telstra. Our job isn't to bring it into Telstra, maybe not this year or next year, but a few years down the track. So the big areas are around big data, internet of things, automation.
1: Hmm. So what is going to have the biggest impact on Australian businesses next year?
0: Underpinning all these uh, five trends that we will talk about are uh, is the digitization that everybody's going through. You have to digitize your business for cost reasons to serve your customers better, to just have the relevant data when you interact with people. So the digitization is sort of underpinning these sort of things that become more mainstream over next year.
1: And when you say digitise your business, is that relevant for everyone from you know the the fish and chip shop down the road to? to Telstra and, and, and Google and Apple and those kinds of businesses?
0: Yeah, I would say in, in various degrees. If you have a fish and ship shop, probably you still want to be able to have an F-post and, and maybe if you can to, to keep track of your customers, you maybe want to have a chance to welcome a repeat customer for, for various reasons in different ways. Even if it's somebody else in the store, they might be able to see somehow this is a customer that comes every Friday. So you would like to have this kind of information at your fingertips when you're running even a fish and ship shop.
1: So you can sort of order ahead. You can get your...
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Your fish ships can be ready when you arrive.
0: Yes, and not only that, sometimes it's just nice to be welcome when you come back as a repeat customer. Mm. Be welcome back.
1: So if we talk about the trends um, specifically, I mean, the first one um, is cybersecurity. I mean, we've seen a lot in the news this year about big international cybersecurity issues. Is this just because everyone keeps making their password the word password?
0: No, I think it's, it's more than that. But I think the, the tools are getting better and better on both sides of the fence, so to say. So the attacks get more and more advanced. So, and and the, the attacks get also more organized. So you have to be a strong organization now to, to, to stand against that. Uh, and it's not only enough, and it hasn't been for a while of course, to just set up a firewall because people will get through that firewall. So you have to add the the dimension of smart analytics on top of all the attacks to understand what are these kind of attacks, who are they trying to, to get to. And if they're on the inside, then you will be able to track it down and just for some, what pattern is this and, and, and close it down when it's in the inside. And this actually, to some extent, is a little bit Contraintuitive, but it requires a few attacks to actually get that learning. So basically, put analytics into the the cybercrime sort of resistance, and then that means that smaller companies might have difficulties to handle it. So that's why we larger companies like sales that can sell a sort of cybersecurity as a service. So we can learn that attacks, and then you can we can run that for somebody else that that needs to be protected from from all these attacks, and uh, Another part that comes into the play now when, when the, the new gold or the new assets you have is usually your data, then data becomes sort of a, a trading uh, commodity or not really a commodity yet that you want to. And, and that means that you will have to interact with your data, with other people's data. And and then you have to have mutual trust and in multi-party mutual trust. And you have, then have to have some tools for that. And the tool that's been talked about for a long time there is blockchain and, and various types of, of that kind of ledgers. That will also come into to play more. Uh, we think next year as a more of a mainstream in interacting with other players. So, blockchain and and big data analytics as a big tool that comes on top of just your normal firewalls.
1: Hmm. So you have to be attacked to learn how to not be attacked. Yes,
0: I mean, if, basically if you look at the old medieval wall, you had people come trying to get into your wall and they come, came disguised in all kinds of, of <laughs> shapes and forms and had all kinds of odd reasons why they had to come in. If you have seen them all, then you are much easier to turn the wrong bad guys away that if the first time you see this disguised person coming with his obscure reason why he has to come into the wall.
1: Isn't that hard? I mean, it's just surely there are bad guys out there constantly trying to think of the new way, right, that yeah. you haven't seen before. Um, and but particularly for smaller businesses, you know, they get something different next year that they can do to sort of help help prevent that?
0: Of course, there are tools sold that, that builds in these things, but I think you have to be more, more up-to-date than that. So, I mean, that's what I said. When we we can offer that as a pro- product, basically cybersecurity. As a service that we, we we can run from from Telstra, for instance,
1: they can pay us to attack them <laughs> and no, protect no, them. No, not that.
0: But they, we, <laughs> no, but no, I meant to pr- smaller com- smaller players to, to protect to, mm-hmm. to, to learn. Because even if you say there are the the, sort of the bad guys always comes up with new things. Yes, they are new, and then they are new for everybody. But usually they are a slight variant of something that's already been there. And the big players have seen those variants before.
1: Blockchain for the general audience. I mean I feel like blockchain is getting more attention now. Yes. Um so is that is that relevant for businesses that beyond just just cybersecurity or is that is that sort of where they'll see the most value?
0: No, I think it's it's uh it's value beyond cybersecurity because that yeah basically just puts down a, a non-manipulative code over any kind of interactions you have done, so you cannot go back and change that afterwards. And there are tools, if it was only two, you and me having an interaction, you would see if I have manipulated it. But if there are many people, it would be more difficult. So then you basically you leave an unreversible track along every interaction that you know this has not been manipulated, which which of course then leads back into also other other business areas where you will like, need to, to, to track. So not only from a security point of view. But, mm. of course, it helps also in cybersecurity.
1: A second trend is all about analytics yes. and, and particularly real-time analytics and why that's important for business. So beyond cybersecurity, what what sort of impact do you think that's going to have?
0: Again, real-time analytics, that will help you to optimize your business, but will also help you to give a better customer experience. And There are lots of analytics you have been able to do over the years on on data that is sort of historical data almost or go through the your data for the last month and you come to some kind of conclusion for your monthly report or or whatever but now if if you if you want to have a, know exactly what has happened when you when you do something then you want to have it more real time and and I think that's what has happening now with with the tools that are coming with enough power if you just look at a trivial example if you have used uh, one of these navigation tools you on your smartphone when you're want to go from place a to place B, there is usually it's colored uh, blue and yellow and red depending on the traffic. if that was what it was like five hours ago it's not so interesting it's more mm. interesting what it is right now or maybe even more interesting if it could be what it will be in half an hour when you're actually going there so that's sort of real time data real time analytics giving you a better customer experience. And that can be used in, in the example I just used, but it can also be used, of course, in retail to make sure that the shelves are stocked the right way and what, what kind of customers are coming now and and for smart logistics. And also for us, we can see what, what experience you've had on your mobile phone. So when you call Telstra on a, having a, some experience that you want to come, we can see, okay, yeah, you had a, you had an outage three, hour, or three minutes ago. You had a problem with your call. Because we can see, because we have all that data right now, or we can see what happens. So we can give a better customer experience, and of course, others can, can do the same thing.
1: Smart logistics, which you mentioned, can you tell me a bit more about that, the whole sort of supply chain?
0: Yeah, and I, ideally, and if you go back into the Internet of Things and, and digitization to get a lot of the things in Internet of Things, will be sensors that are sort of giving data. And the purpose of having all the data is to be able to do analytics on the data. And the more in real time you can do it, the higher value it will have. So say that you have a a truck going with some kind of, of food from one city to another city and something happens with the cooling for on that track. So you know now suddenly from that you realize, oh, if this is going to go on for a few hours, the, it will not damage the product, but at least the, the shelf time will go down. So maybe mm-hmm. you shouldn't go to that city. You know it at the time that is it's very close by where you're just passing by. That store is running out of that product. So maybe you di- redirect that truck to that place and offload it there and, and store the, the original city with goods from some other place. So all this sort of data from the logistics, from the store, will just help saving money, reduce waste, and and also, of course, increase the customer experience because now when you step into that store, you realize this still has four days left instead of had it gone to the original destination, it only would have had one day left when you Mm. bought it.
1: So just massive efficiency gains. Um, I mean, apart from just picturing people walking around... Looking at their devices all day, getting their real-time data updates. I mean, it does sound like it's going to have a lot of benefits for businesses.
0: Yeah, I think you, once you have a real-time data of, of your own business, you will. Re- you, you are probably better than Telstra to 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 understand what the benefits could be. But we can at least help provide it through through the connectivity networks and and some of the platforms we have to to offer IoT services and so on, and provide that data and then. It's up to many of the businesses that will run on top of the connectivity and the IoT platform to understand how to best optimize their business on top of this.
1: Our third trend, I will to admit, is the one I find most difficult to understand um, around the move towards containers and microservices. Services, yes. All right. So give me the give me the too long didn't read <laughs> <laughs> summary of containers and microservices.
0: I think that we should always look at um, microservices as small Lego pieces of, of software services that you can mm-hmm. then um, build the service you want. And you can also sort of scale it up and scale it down. And if you realize that in this application, I only want red square pieces and in this one, I want the long gray pieces. And instead of having somebody develop a whole application for you that is very, could be too big for you Mm -hmm. in most cases. And in some cases, it's going to be too small and you will hit the ceiling because the demand on your service is so high during a certain hour of the day or a week of the month or a month of the year or whatever so to to be able to to scale the the application or the service to the need and mm-hmm. i think there are two cases when that happens one is in these dynamic businesses uh, that requires and of course the prerequisite for all this is that you run something on the cloud if you run it on premise then you maybe you have you already bought your mm. your your compute resources so then, then you have but yeah. if you want to be able to dynamically benefit from from the cloud then you you don't want to have a fixed size sort of software application running there. You want to have to to dynamically shape that one, and, and that is where the microservices come in to do this. As those small the Lego pieces, where you basically build your application as you want. One sort of we got it problem with that is that there has also been to run those microservices. You usually have what is called a virtual machine, which is basically the compute power and the operating system to run. That microservice or a few of them, and that if you have many of those and small, you run, you consume, you build up a lot of virtual machines, which is mm. which also is, is unnecessary on on a f- real physical machine. So that is where the containers come in. So then you put one microservice in each in each container, but then those containers can run and share the operating system. So basically, it reduces the need for many many virtual machines in that environment so that is gonna come in a larger scale and be more of a mainstream uh, next year
1: when you start talking about teams working together um and that's that's sort of our our fourth trend is this collaboration between teams and i mean i get too many emails i'm sure you get more emails than me um i think uh the general consensus and hence the, the background of this trend is that emails kind of on the way out, right, and people complain about it a lot. Um, is, so it, is 2018 the year where email finally gets the boot?
0: No, I don't think so. I think emails we will still have uh, for a very long time, and they are good for, for what they are good at, and that is sort of personal communication. If you, if you want something that is for you, uh, email is, is, is good for that. The, the thing is that when we now start working more and more in this digitised world, in teams using all these tools and sharing documents and everything is or sort of, nothing is printed it's all sitting on on the servers and and you want to team edit and, and and all that then then we need tools that are more focused around the team than on the individual. It is possible in email to create sort of group distribution lists and and all <laughs> that but so, but it's it's still it's a little bit cumbersome and it's still. Uh, tailored around the individual. And if you are part of, of, you can also create email addresses for Teams but then you, as you are, if you are part of many teams, you will have to log into all these either matters and see what's happening. So that becomes a bit cumbersome to do it the email way. So that's why new tools have come around that focuses on the team instead of the individual. And there are tools like Slack, Facebook has something that called Workspaces and Microsoft have Teams, Cisco have Spark, Salesforce uses uh, another one. They call it Chatter and there are more. So they will come and, uh, and they are already here, but I think they will use more of those. And I think that maybe here is more maybe to to the uh, IT department to decide whether they want to decide. Because <laughs> what, what uh, tool shall be used in your company, because uh, the teams will start using them out of mm-hmm. convenience. Because also some of the, if, if an individual leaves the team, even leaves the company, whatever sits in that person's email is basically deleted the day the person leaves. So yeah. email is good as mail, but it's also best have made mail electronic, <laughs>
1: mm. but it hasn't
0: sort of digitized it completely like these teams. So I think we, we need something, and it's not because it is generally better than email and will kill email, but it's something, a tool that is better for teamwork than email actually is, because email is more a person-to-person correspondence, mm. like letters were from the beginning.
1: So they'll coexist. They will they coexist.
0: I mean, you probably want to have your your... Uh, your annual appraisal, your salary review and all that. You will still have that over (laughs) mail. You don't want to have that shared with the whole team. So there will be individual communication still, but then you have the teamwork where it's better to actually have it. And I'm sure we will find days when we will hate those tools as much as we hate email because (laughs) it's so easy for people to just put something on there and you don't want to read everything. And and so I mean, I'm already part of a few of those tools and you think that everything that's, Published in those uh, uh, team tools, you don't feel that that is really relevant, and so mm. the thing is not to say that one is bad and the other one is good, mm. but to realise that we might need another tool than email to do teamwork.
1: Our last trend, our, our digital twin, um, yes. which does I mean give give you quite amusing images of of having a digital clone who does all your work for you, which I would enjoy having. Um, but that's not what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about kind of what easing people into the new digitized world.
0: Yes, I would say it's probably a, a few different things that you can do with the, your twin. But say that, for instance, if you take the image of a of a, a jet engine or just a car, well, I don't think we have used seen it so much. I think where we've seen most of the digital twin coming is from from the from jet engines, sort of upkeeping and maintenance but you could think about it as a car also because we have more people can relate to your car maybe so if you say that your car now is logging a lot a lot of data then instead of logging that just in a in a big big file you can actually have a digital twin of your car where you can actually go in and have a look at this is how much the engine has been running this is how many times the wheels have been spinning and this is the tire pressure over the last so and you can basically see it on this image and you can even put on maybe some augmented reality glasses and see your car and, and have, make that relevant and then so that's one for the logging another is to just do the, the simulate and predict the performance how, how long how many more miles will I get out of these tires and you can simulate that and you can see that in, the, in that mm. picture and and with this shape it is now, how, how long will it take before I have to do the next service? And, and and then if you have grown so that's part of the logging and simulating, but it's also a way to visualize for especially for your train staff that has grown up and as car mechanics. Mm-hmm. If there's so you've repaired and fixed this part of the carburetor or whatever that day, you can actually see that on this digital twin. In 10 years, maybe nobody has been doing that that way anymore, so they would be equally happy to see it as a, as a line item in an Excel sheet carburetor fixed. But now mm. if you're used to actually work on the two things, just the image of it will also help in in mixing the, the old way of understanding the concept and the, tr- and, and the maintenance with a new way of, of doing things. So I would say it's t- three things that comes with the digital wind. One is just for logging the data. One is to simulate them predict behaviors and performance and the third way is the way to visualize it for for staff that are already trained on this thing of doing and a certain way of doing it
1: mm-hmm. so you'll be able to see what's wrong with your car
0: yes or or if i drive it in this way you can even predict what's gonna go wrong with your car oh. because you have logged all this data so you have sort of a good sort of shape of in what or a picture of what shape is my car in and then mm. you can simulate okay now i'm gonna drive it like this Uh, uh, for this long, what will happen to it? That's sort of the simulation behaviour part. And the third one, if if somebody who has has always been used to working on cars sort of hands-on, you can point at it together and say, this part doesn't look right or this one has been changed. So so it's sort of a way to visualise, a way to simulate and a way to log.
1: Mm, Great. Uh, And I suppose when you get your car serviced, they'll actually be able to show you all of the things they've done. Um, You won't just have to take their word for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Great. Okay, thank you. That's been really interesting. The five big trends that are going to impact businesses in 2018. So thank you so much. That's Hawken Erickson, our Chief Technology Officer here at Telstra, the uh, Chief of all of the tech lords who work here, whose job it is to know what's coming down the track. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Technology is a massive part of everyone's lives, whether you run a business or or you don't. Today, we've covered five of the most important technology trends that we think are going to impact businesses next year. And hopefully, whether you have a startup, you work at a small business, you're part of a big machine like us here at Telstra, you've learned something from our podcast today. Keep an eye out for our Consumer Trends podcast, which will be coming soon, where we're going to talk about the five big trends that are going to impact everyday lives next year. Also, if you're interested in the topic and you want to hear more uh, conversations with great business thinkers in the world, subscribe to our Telstra Vantage Behind the Mic podcast series, which explores the personal side of some really smart people who have quirky approaches to running a business. Until next time... Thanks for listening. I'm Francis Manfield, and this is Inside Telstra Labs.